Hi, I'm Amon Bathija with the Texas Tribune. Some of you Tribcast listeners may have noticed something new in your feed yesterday, a short update on the special session from my colleague Alana Rocha. These bite-sized daily audio updates are a precursor to the Trib showing up more often and in more places, including Amazon Alexa and your favorite podcasting app. Let us know what you think at Tribcast at texastribune.org. Today's Tribcast is presented by Texas Women's University. Instruct and inspire the next generation of nurses. Earn your master's in nursing education 100% online at Texas Women's University. Learn more at TWU.edu. And Ride Austin. If you ride share, choose Ride Austin to keep your money in Texas and support the Texas Tribune through the Roundup. Learn more at RideAustin.com. Texas Talking Oh, what was that that you said? Texas Talking Oh. This is Mark Miller, hailing from the drift, just west of Weird. I was the guy who ran for railroad commissioner that the newspapers liked, but voters didn't. I read the Texas Tribune because they're among the exceptional few in our great state who know what the railroad commission really does. Please enjoy this week's Tribcast. Here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here on the, uh, what day is it? What day of the week is it? <laughs> oh, just don't, don't even. Here don't, on the one 23rd of the, day of the special cares? session. The one of 30 day days of, of the month. special legislative session here with your Texas Tribune Tribcast, your weekly politics and policy uh, podcast. Uh, if you like this week's Tribcast introduction, which I know you did, I have a challenge for you. Find a quiet place, record your own, and send it to <laughs> Tribcast at texastribune.org. Special brownie points if you make fun of Evan. We'll play the best ones in the weeks to come. What? Bonus points if you're funny. It has to be clean, but if it's not clean, it has to be We've funny. We've received some from some of you, and I would say they err on the side of not being very funny. Are they dirty? None. They if call it like the, the shit cast ones. or something? What do they do? Uh, I'm joined this morning, this afternoon, by Shitcast host, CEO. Excuse oh me, CEO God. of the Shitcast, actually. I Evan own this Smith. Shit. I own this Shitcast. It's true. Political reporter Patrick Spitek. Good afternoon. And executive editor Ross Ramsey. And if you're sitting in your car with the kids, sorry. Oops. <laughs> Don't. You're watching on Facebook. You're, if you're listening with to this tripcast with your children on <laughs> yeah. Facebook, you have a much Speaking larger of problem than to get the word life. Shit. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. Hi, right. kids. Uh, well, today we officially have one week left in the special legislative session. and um, How many bills have gotten to the governor's desk? Zero bills. Zero bills. Ross wrote a column this morning. He says calling those bills losers. I thought he meant the legislators were. There's been a little I, you know, debate about that. Little so bit, you wrote a column the other day saying A little bit of that, transference going on here. You wrote a column the other day saying that, that the likelihood of the 20 bills passing, all 20 passing, was nothing. It was nothing and before were, it started. you were attacked as it was fake always, news. It was always nothing. Well, I'm sticking with arguable. my 1% estimate from the last What was uh, your two? You, you, you bet two bills? Didn't we what, originally... No, 1% chance did, that they all passed. Oh, okay. <laughs> didn't we originally... Didn't the four of us take some wagers? 12. <laughs> I said 12. I said you, six. I think I said 10. I said nine. We are all going uh-huh. to... I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. Ross is going to be closest, but Ross could eat it. Remember, we're doing this by prices Right rules. And so if you're over, you lose. Yeah, closest, oh, I think, close, I think we three are under. dead in the water. Yeah, you've been dead oh, since no, you said not, it. You were dead when you still. said it. You think that there are going to be nine things? No, There's I don't. No think I like the way this argument's things, going. But I don't think we're, you know. <laughs> no, I was, but I was trying to give the benefit of the doubt to the people who actually run the Capitol. And I'm completely wrong about that. But based that was on, actually based on was what? John Whitman just called right then to complain about this conversation. <laughs> uh, no, I wanted to give everybody the opportunity to to to, to kind of like do their work and pass stuff. And now. 
I'm like, what was I thinking? Oh, well, that was yeah, a dad what moment. Were any of us? Thinking? I'm going to give you the opportunity to do well, your work and pass stuff. Why, why don't we take stock of <laughs> what what is actually moving Thank right you, now? Thank you, Patrick, for bringing us down to earth here. Patrick, all the abortion stuff. The future host of the Tribcast asks. Oh, please put me out of my misery. Do it this minute. What uh, uh, what about the abortions? All the abortion stuff's going to pass. Well, I I think there is movement on abortion. How many bills is that? Three? Well, I don't think three? it matters it's, it's how many bills. Three subject matters. Bills. I'm not sure how right. many bills. It's reporting it. requirements. Well, how many of the items? It's reporting requirements. It's insurance. And it's also uh, taxpayer. So it's like three. Right. Like three of the abortion. governor's items would be yeah. under the abortion umbrella. I think those right. will those will get through. So uh, I, obviously the sunset stuff will. Well, That's four right there. Okay. You say obviously. Is it definitely 100% certain? Obviously. Nothing's 100% anything. No. But I think I think that'll pass. I think that's. I just want yeah to. Yeah, just ID stock. places where there's actually movement, not right. necessarily where it's property tax. What's going to happen with property taxes? To... Property taxes in the air right now. You know, it's gotten tangled up in House Senate politics. The House's favorite version of property tax reform is put 1.8 billion dollars into public school finance and lower the pressure on uh, school districts to raise their taxes and maybe you know give them an incentive to lower their taxes a little bit. The Senate's favorite version is limit the amount by which local governments can raise property taxes without voter approval. And I think the House is more willing to go along with the Senate's version than the Senate is with the House version. And there's, you know, we've got a week of horse trading left. I wouldn't count it dead. It's the one thing that the governor has said, as Patrick reported, that he really, really wanted out of this. He it was his number on one priority. It's right. the thing that he could conceive of we bring them back for another He's not going to bring them back. That'd be nuts. But, you know, the... That's the one that everybody would like. And if you go short of, as they are going to, go short of 20 for 20, if you go one for 20 and it's property taxes, you can run with that. So Robert on Facebook wants to know, is the bathroom bill totally dead? Pour one out. Ross likes Irish to say, wake. Ross likes to say nothing's ever dead. But we also did, Please. But we also Snow, did look at... This is, is the John Snow of bills, but that's baby right, thing. It's right. Dead, I mean, Melisandre's coming You're comparing the bathroom bill I don't to John Snow? I don't, I don't watch Game of Thrones. Evan, Jon Snow is Game like of toilets. a hero. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's... I don't, I don't know where we are or what me, we're talking I mean, about. Let me gin up a broad church Wait reference. Wait till That's more our Facebook speed. listeners hear that you compared Jon Snow to the bathroom bill. Or the bathroom bill to Jon uh, Snow. Jonathan Sines probably loves that. There will be moral yeah. outrage. Jon Snow is, is currently living, correct? On so... The show? I think the bathroom bill is dead. I mean, the, the, it's it, dead. the House has basically given no indication. The latest indication from the House is that they're not even going to have a committee hearing on right. it, you know, saving us another overnight. Which, by the way, a week ago, Ron Simmons said at an event that we did at the Austin Club that he understood from Chairman Cook that Chairman Cook had committed to having a hearing and nothing beyond that. Well, right? Cook had been on the record to the Dallas Morning News saying he would have a hearing on it earlier in the special session. So certainly a reversal there of some sort. Um, I, I guess I would agree that it's dead, but I, I don't think the posture, the political posturing on it is dead this session. Um, I think it's will be interesting to political see posturing is where Dan dead. Patrick, uh, you know, went, when and how he emerges. This is just kind of like during the, the regular session where Patrick went publicly silent for a few weeks toward the end and then emerged with guns blazing, threatening, you know, threatening to force a special session, et cetera, et cetera. So right. I, think I mean, you know, there still is still some horse trading in, in that, that could- he could saga. still tr- probably try to hold some stuff hostage. Do, do Joe- you think – could he really, Ross, could he really at this point do a maneuver to hold what is required of the legislature to get through this and not have another 30 days? Could he decide I'm going to – Where are the sunset bills right now? So the House passed sunset bills, sent them to the Senate. Those have not been considered by the Senate. The Senate passed sunset bills, sent them to the House, 
And at last peak, they were on the calendar for tomorrow in the House. So if so the House, the House passes the, pass Senate the Senate bills, version, and that's then done. It's all done. Right. right. If, as long as they don't make any changes. You think the lieutenant governor would, would hold up that or the property tax legislation that might require the governor or force the governor's hand, basically, in terms of bringing it back? He, he can't hold up Sunset if the House goes with the Senate version. He has said all year he would do what he could to get the legislature to vote up or down on the things he thinks is important. And, you know, bathrooms is one of those. Property taxes is one of those. And if the House, if for some reason that hasn't happened, I, you know, there's nothing about Dan Patrick that says he won't try everything to get him back here to do it again. Why are you so sure that Abbott won't call him back? I just don't think he benefits. What call him back for? I don't think he benefits from it first. Second, you know, if you don't Especially change. Especially if hardly any of his things pass. If you haven't changed what the House is willing to consider, before you call them back, you're just calling them back for a stalemate. You know this. This. But couldn't you argue that he called them back knowing that the house was not going to be any different this time than last time, and he called them back for a stalemate anyway, which, by the way, is being proven every day. You can argue that, and you can also argue that you know, well, maybe with the increased focus on just 20 items, the house will have to do something. Turned out to be a bad bet. You're the Abbott whisperer. What do you think? It's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. Yeah, I think the likelihood at this point that he calls them back, even uh, even if they don't get a lot done, is is pretty low. Um, as you pointed out earlier, I mean, property taxes, I think, is definitely his top priority. He said that publicly, and I think that that's going to be probably where a lot of the energy is focused on his side. Well, toward, Ross, toward I mean, here. you've said before that basically, you know, even if nothing passes, everybody wins here. Yeah, you know, Abbott sort of represented, you know, I'm going to give you a conservative agenda. We have to come back for this thing while we're here. Let's do these conservative things. And he can go into the election and say, I tried, send me more people. Patrick mm-hmm. can go in and say, I fought the fight all year. I tried, send me more people. And Strauss well, can say, I st- hold on. And, and Strauss can say, we stood firm on this, but it was very difficult and we need reinforcements. So they've all go into a political season armed and ready. I mean, this works to that extent. If you really wanted the policies, the winner on policy in this special session has been Joe Strauss, because he's the one getting what he wanted, which is no bathroom bill. There you just got to so the So Joseph asks on Facebook, if the bathroom bill doesn't pass, is there any damage politically to the lieutenant governor? No. I don't think so, no. But again, I think it's be interesting to see what the posturing is on the way out of the special session by the lieutenant governor mm-hmm. toward the governor. D- does he do anything to make life politically uncomfortable in terms of his public statements about the failure of the bathroom bill. But how is it? Down. How would it be on Abbott if for this not passing? In other words, I'm I'm open to the possibility that the lieutenant governor comes at this with guns blazing again in some respects if this does not pass because he's made it a priority now during both the regular and special. It has not passed and he well, yeah, has I mean, people to blame. I don't know that he can responsibly. He may be able to blame Abbott for not getting off the sidelines faster during the regular. No, I don't think he'll blame he Abbott. He can't said, blame Abbott during the special because mm-hmm. Abbott put the damn thing on a call. No, and and Patrick has repeatedly said Abbott and I are aligned on this. We're on the same page on this. I mean, he has aligned himself. Oh with yeah, I, I'm just the, the main culprit will be the House leadership and, and Joe Strauss. But I'm just curious what Dan Patrick say that. Special special session ends. No subsequent special session. Bathroom bill doesn't happen. Dan Patrick's asked in a few weeks, um, "Are you disappointed uh, with the governor uh, in any way for the bathroom bill not getting out of the and special session?" And he says session? no. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think he says no? I think he you says. Think no. I think he says you, no. You think in, in an interview like that he would simply say, uh, "Well, we, you know, I appreciate the governor putting on the call once." But the problem is the speaker, and we need a new speaker. Right. That's what I think. The uh, okay, governor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. That opens a whole new right. political. Look, I'm, I'm interested in Ross's point about the political ramifications of this as it relates to the behavior, the posture of the people going forward. I can absolutely see Dan Patrick saying, "We need reinforcements on mm-hmm. our wing of the party." Mm-hmm. So you need to elect right. conservatives 
in the places where you can displace recalcitrant or intransigent chairs or even potentially up through it, including Get rid of a them, speaker. replace them with us. Yeah, right. I can understand politics. Strauss sure. saying the reverse, which mm-hmm. is right. we have managed to, to hold the, our ground on this, and I worry that, that we take our eyes off of this. We lose key people. Uh, uh, the fruitcake guy beats uh, Cook. We got to keep Byron Cook in the, in the house. I get that. The one I'm not sure about is Abbott. Right. Abbott politically has not been the sort of person to get into contested primaries and try to defeat people who opposed his agenda. Now, I know he talked about, I'm making a list, but then Patrick comes no, back, then and, back says, and, said, not, not kind of and he came back and said, not that kind of list. Not that kind of list. Right. So the idea that somehow Abbott is going to take from what this special does or does not do a call to get into primaries. I'm going to endorse Mays Middleton over Wayne Faircloth, or I'm going to endorse McNutt over Cook, or I'm going to get into some of these races. That just strikes me as counter to Abbott's I'm going to be mildly surprised if Abbott's campaign spends a dime on anybody but Abbott, mm-hmm. for or against. Well, that would be consistent largely with 2014. I mean, that's what they, yeah, that's what they've done. They don't, you know, they don't um, right. no ultimately— Dave, Dave Carney getting up and raging at the heavens on— Twitter, notwithstanding. <laughs> Twitter's, Twitter's free. The Abbott political operation is not yeah. the sort of political operation necessarily to take out after anybody but Nancy Pelosi, George Soros, and the lamestream media. Right. Well, just a That's reminder, it. if you're listening to this lamestream media podcast, you can send questions <laughs> our way on Facebook. Shitcast. <laughs> yes, whatever you Say want to again. call it. Say it again. When your parents live in Texas, I want them to hear us cursing on the podcast Speaking every week. Speaking of shitcast, we did have someone on the TribCast ask, is Evan holding a roll of toilet paper? <laughs> <laughs> That's his coffee. Yes, yeah. same, Starbucks same. coffee kind of. Candidly, it would not be that surprising. (laughs) I mean, I'm curious what this – let's say they only pass two bills or four bills or four of Abbott's priorities. I mean, what what does it do for your reputation as the governor if you ask for 20 things and you get four? Everybody has to be paying attention for that to matter, and I don't think most people are paying attention Mm -hmm. to this. He he retaliates against the legislature by talking about fire and fury and, frankly, power, the the likes of which the political audience here. I mean, the the policy audience here is readily kind of thin because most of this isn't sort of like person-on-the-street legislation. And the political audience for this are the people in the primaries who are sort of focused on this two-party GOP problem of, you know, Strauss over here. And Patrick over there, and I'm with this one or that one. Well, he might not be, you know, making fire and fury comments, but, you know, Abbott did seem to sort of be comparing his legacy or his governorship to the governorship of of Secretary Perry. Uh, I mean, he came out in an Austin American Statesman article early this week, basically, you know, it seemed like shitting on him. (laughs) Right. I mean, what did we see from in those in that story? Um. You know, I think he's trying to measure up to the guy who preceded him, and you know, what Perry, which is which, which is interesting because I think that he, you know, he would probably think that he is often and frequently unfairly compared to the longest-serving governor of Texas, um, and maybe a reflection of frustration with constantly being, you know, oh, is he uh, hands-on as hands-on as Perry was? Right. Is he this or that as, as Perry was? And so. He's kind of trapped in he, that state of he mind. He should perhaps. call Perry and ask him what it was yeah. like to follow George Bush. Yeah. I mean, or what, call but, George but, Bush and ask him what know, it was but, like to follow but, Ann Richards. I mean, this is the gig. You, you know, you're there, compared to the person pro- that was there before. There's a practical problem, though, which is that Abbott claimed in that statesman article, I mean, leave aside the politics of basically trashing Perry, which is what he did. There's right. not any other right. way to say it. He trashed it. And the Perry, totally we don't need to be the one saying it because all up and down Congress Avenue and around this Capitol are people who were Perry employees or loyalists who right. voted for Abbott who have since Sunday been 
calling every reporter in the Capitol privately to say, can you effing believe that right. Abbott is so petty and so jealous of Perry that he said this? It was an unforced error. That's how it is being described. There was no, no benefit to him in doing but this. Abbott has there no— There was no provocation. Abbott has no right? history of making unforced errors. I mean, uh, what, like... Well, it wasn't a forced error. How often does he sit with a reporter and say something that you're like, what did he just say? Well, let me keep keep, keep going. So so there's the political aspect of this, but then there's the substantive aspect of this. Gardner Selby would pronounce Abbott's statement that he has accomplished more than Perry did in this session as mostly false. Evan's now the expert on Gardner. So I am. I am. <laughs> I am one with Politifact. Yeah. Seriously, I mean, could could you say that Abbott has gotten everything he wanted this session Hell in a way that no. somehow trumps Perry? No. No. So why would he even wade into that? I mean, I, what is the benefit yeah. to him of comparing himself to Perry or Perry's legacy? I got nothing. Like I said, it, I think it probably just reflects. A feeling of being underappreciated, <laughs> and it certainly is not going to make all those people who were Perry loyalists very happy. There's something Trump-like about it, honestly. So it sounds no. This sounds more like somebody's little brother. This just sounds like you know I'm trying to measure up to the guy before me. I mean, Jim, it's just did he's he get needled? Governor Jim Belushi. Is that what he is? <laughs> right. Right. Well, uh, right. Although Twin Peaks is pretty good. I interrupt this Trimcast broadcast to tell you some breaking rumors on Twitter. What do you got? <laughs> rumors. Wow. What's that? Rumor in the lobby sphere that the House will sunny die on Friday. That was the lobby yesterday, too. The lobby on Monday was that they would have a second special session. Oh, my God. If they sign you down on Friday, do we still have a Trimcast recording on Tuesday with two House members? Sure. Maybe we should do it on Monday. Well, we can discuss these the ins and outs of the Dex Tribune. One, one thing. Can I just yeah, please bring us go, back to the outstanding ab- issues? Patrick, one absolutely. thing that I think is <laughs> that we haven't covered, Such which I think is, is still pivotal to this special session, is Abbott's education agenda, just the issue of education in general. I think that there's it appears that there's still something for both the House and the Senate to get on their education priorities. If they can get on the toward same. the end here. I don't Do you know think there's a trade off between the school finance bill that like Huberty wants still, to pass and the school finance study that Taylor wants to pass? And can then, they get that done? The yeah, the, you know, there's a the so the question on the House school finance bill is whether that is trade material for the Senate's property tax bill, or trade material for the Senate's commission on school finance, or both. You know, so the problem with it is that it's 1.8 billion dollars. The House wants to do that with the delay of the foundation school program payment, one of the deferrals that the legislature periodically says is a terrible thing, and then periodically does. Uh, it would put less pressure on school districts and supposedly give them an opportunity to lower their tax rates a little bit. Um, the House really wants it. The Senate thinks it's a lousy idea, thinks the financing scheme is a Ponzi scheme in the word of the lieutenant governor. Right. Mm-hmm. And they that want a commission on school finance to study this issue. The House responds to that by saying, we've studied this to death. What are we talking right. about? How could we study this any more than we right. already have? And then the other piece of it is the Senate wants this limit on local property tax increases. <laughs> and that's what they view as the way to save the property tax thing. So all three of those things are in play. We've got a week left. And we're, you know, maybe, Greg, maybe, well, maybe we've got left. two we have days up left. to a week left, you know, and you've got the governor back in the position he was in, I think about 10 days out or nine days out when he did the famous shuttle diplomacy that bombed during the regular session right. to close this deal. Mm-hmm. You've got them here. You've got them here. Everybody's stated their case. Close the deal. See if you can pull it together. That's, you know, that's traditionally what you do. There's been some sign that there were conversations. Strauss and Patrick actually apparently talked. For the first time in what, like yeah, since, you know, three months or something? Patrick apparently told his 
uh, senators that nothing meaningful came of it. Well, but they talked. Um, at least they were in the same room the, together. The governor and the speaker talked apparently at length. And, you know, so there's some conversation going on. Um, can these guys put a deal together? That's the same question we had at the end of the regular session. And what's the answer your, was no then. Right. What's your prediction, Nostradamus? Evidence to date is they cannot. If they put a deal together, that's a new pattern. I mean, they ha- the Senate uh, Republican right. Caucus had a press conference yesterday where they basically said, according to Ross's We Ross's hate those con- Mises to pieces. <laughs> we, we love public education, but not this. Right. So, I mean— and has their line is is the vouchers for special needs students still their line in the sand on this? You know, they that's what they came back with to the House's school finance thing in the regular session. The House voted, I think, twice on various voucher proposals and had more than ninety votes against them both times. They're pretty more than yeah. hundred one. Mm. It, yeah, yeah. So, what would you this guess is... happened in that Dan Patrick Joe Strauss conversation? I don't know. I bet they both brought tasters. <laughs> Food tasters. <laughs> hey, you, you drink the tea. No, you drink the tea. <laughs> that is that would have been a good spot for a game. Honestly, game po- of thrones poisoning, each other, poisoning each other would not be the <laughs> right. meanest thing that they've done to each other this session. So. I think from a PR perspective, for this special session to end in the uh, way that it could potentially end and for there not being any public record of them meeting, <laughs> right. I think it was just important for that to get out there. Right. It may have just been a five-minute meeting and turn around and tell the <laughs> tell reporters about it. Right. Um, well, one uh, – also, reminder, if you're still, still with us on Facebook, which I apologize, uh, you can send questions our way. Um, you're a great host. <laughs> it's true. Um, let's talk quickly about um, – this question of whether ethics reform would get added to the call. We have we had a couple of lawmakers come out basically in the House and say, yes, we, we ought to do this. Can we get Abbott to do it? Bipartisan. Bipartisan. And then you had Joe Strauss say, actually, yes, I do think this is a good idea. And then Abbott's office calls them showboats? Well, no, they called them showboats. And then Strauss came out and said, I'm with them. It was, you know, so after I see Abbott your showboat says, and raise you one. You know? <laughs> right. What I mean, what is the motivation behind ethics reform is something that Abbott made a priority during the regular session. Why would he accuse people of showboating uh, in the special over an issue he cared about? Because Lyle Larson turned it into a right. Roche motel. Yeah. You know, you walk in and you don't walk out. Uh, he had a bill <laughs> on, a, on a Saturday kind of at the end of the session that was a pay-for-play bill that basically said if you gave more than $2,500 to a governor, a political campaign for a governor, uh, you can't be appointed to a top board or commission, which, you know, interferes with the laws of the political universe and, and basically puts 70 or 80 Abbott appointees, as it would have done to Perry mm-hmm. or Bush or Richards or Clements. I thought or John White. Whitman pushed back on that. That the um, governor's office said, in fact, the number of people. Well, who, we ran the numbers, and it was over seventy. It was. Yeah, and you know. Maybe it was just in Larson's own district. There were a certain number of people. So you know, basically, the, this thing's become a trap for the governor. It's like you know, yes, I like ethics reform. No, I don't like that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, they know the how. I think the House members know exactly the very uncomfortable position this puts Abbott in, given his previous full-throated support for ethics reform. Well, he wouldn't mm-hmm. sign the bill, and also to to, him, right? to a smaller extent, given that he's the one of the big, the one only one in the big three who hasn't pledged not to raise money during the special session, and mm, at least on email is raising money. <laughs> right. Um, you know, uh, so I think they understand kind of the box this puts him in, and I think that you know. Why does he have to raise all this money? It's not like he has a. Because he's only got forty million, <laughs> and there's no opponent. From the Democrats' perspective, we're in a new low of a moment. <laughs> That's right. <yeah>. Right. 
Thank yep. you, AP. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Headline. But that, but that's a really, I mean, that story has occasioned a lot of conversation over the last 24 hours for sure. This is an AP story Will Weissert wrote acknowledging what is undeniably a fact, and that is that no Democratic candidate for governor has emerged yet. The argument being Wendy Davis had not previously, had not emerged at this point well, in the Well, in fact, last when, Wendy Davis did not announce until the first week of October of 2014. Bill White did not announce in 2010 until two months later than Wendy Davis did. Mm-hmm. It is factually, speaking of PolitiFact, it is pants on fire to describe this as a new low. Also, what about the gay bar each owner? Of the last it may just be the old low. <laughs> what about the gay the, bar the, 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 the biennial. more time talking about that. The biennial Evan's checking to see if candidate. there's still no Democratic polls, right? You know, but the headline writer is more guilty than Will Weissert is in terms of that story. As is often as the case. Blame the editor. Freaking headline writers. <laughs> Always but, blame but, the but, editor. But you're correct to say that Abbott right now is a guy with $41 million and who is, you know, punching at no one right he, Air. No, he has no I mean, like I said he's running against Nancy Pelosi and, and George Rick Perry Soros. and Rick Perry and Rick Perry right <laughs> yeah right, right. <laughs> finding his, his own opponents <laughs> creating Perry his own Perry was a Democrat once but seriously I mean and, that, and so that conversation is basically around are the Democrats going to have anything <laughs> to speak of in the next election cycle and I think the answer is yeah they're going to have a candidate for governor at some point we just don't know who well I think what's notable I mean I'm obviously I've been around a long time what's notable this time is it seems that there's not been a lot of public discussion of potential or rumored candidates in the lead up to what would traditionally be the announcement season. Not a natural fantasy list here where right. you kind of go, you know, what if so-and-so was playing? Right. What if so-and-so was in the game? You know, there's not a, you know, that that list is weak this time. What do you, what do you, you know, think about I, the argument that a non-traditional candidate for the Democrats might do better than a traditional candidate, just given the fact in, that we who's have a non-traditional candidate? You know, try, you know, they ought to try something. Um, Andy Roddick. You'd like that. He'd quit and go to work for his campaign. You know, this works this, this works from time to time. You know, you get a non-traditional candidate and run against two big-name traditional candidates, and boom, you're Jesse Ventura governor. Or you're Kinder Arnold. Friedman tried that. Arnold Schwarzenegger governor. It works once in a while, just enough to make people kind of think, well, that's an attractive idea. Beyonce. But, but it's, the it's hard to, it's hard to put Ventura it together. And, and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, just to come back to your two points, were very unusual. Ventura ran against a Republican and a Democrat and right. managed to cut a path down the middle. A Coleman and a Humphrey. He beat a Coleman and a Humphrey in Minnesota. Schwarzenegger something. ran in a recall election in which he beat Gary Coleman. Svitek could beat Gary Coleman for governor. I don't know. Gary Coleman's a pretty attractive <laughs> candidate. I think he's not living anymore right now. He probably would <laughs> At the time. At the time. Uh, but, but the point is, I think those two situations were the atypical situation. And here it's going to be essentially the Democrats putting up a candidate with a D next to his or her name against Abbott, who is widely popular and has $41 million and counting and in counting. his campaigning. Right. Yep. And so a non-traditional candidate doesn't necessarily bring anything to the table in the way that Schwarzenegger or Ventura did because the circumstances are different. It depends on if they answer some question in the election. You know, it's like, is this an attractive alternative? Is it somebody, you know, in what way are they a non-traditional candidate and is that attractive to voters and more attractive than the incumbent? You know, one of the things that... Greg Abbott has, you know, arguably against him is he's not, I mean, he's been really successful in politics, but he's not a charismatic leader. And if you came in with a really charismatic, somebody with real star quality, that could be problematic. Governor McConaughey, Texas is a flat circle. Well, it could be, it could just be, you know, problematic. You know, I still think it'd be very difficult for anybody, any known Republican or Democrat to beat this guy um, or to even come close to this guy. So Unless Trump brings the whole country down and the Republican Party with it. Yeah. And, right. yeah, and well. maybe even then, Bobby Cannon on Facebook suggests Willie Nelson for governor. <laughs> okay. 
Might work. I woke up this right. morning and I was still alive. Smoke them if you got them. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, all right. So what does Dan Patrick have against cities? Why did he come out swinging, basically saying cities are the scourge of the earth? Well, he also said that they're the cities that are run by these Democrats are the scourge of the earth. So but apparently not Fort Worth and El Paso. <laughs> right, right. Those two. Right. Those are fine. We all know those yeah. are pretty nice cities. So what did he say? Why, where was yeah, he? Paso where did he give really these remarks? Happy ground and, for Republicans. And uh, why did he make them? I mean, he was on Vox, Vox Business Network, I believe, or Vox Business News. And, um, you know, I think he was actually asked about the, you know, it was in the wake of the West Virginia governor switching from the Democratic Party to the Republican uh, Party, which I, I get, you know, gave Republicans near record or record control of the mm-hmm. governorships uh, in the country. And he was asked about that. And in response to it, you know, he said, if you look at where all the problems are in the, in the country, a lot of it's happening in cities which are overwhelmingly controlled by uh, Democrats. And that obviously was, uh, you know, dynamite in the context of the debate we're having now in catnip. Texas over it was catnip, right? Couldn't, couldn't resist it. <laughs> so, uh, but this is actually, this has been a staple of a lot of his media appearances this year and last year. He, you know, he's very Trump-like in that he, you know, often brings up Chicago, for example, as, you know, an example where things are, you know, crazily out of control. You know, Rahm Emanuel can't get crime under control. It's a sanctuary city, et cetera, et cetera. So definitely a theme that we've heard before from him. But I think in that Fox Business uh, interview, he, uh, you know, was sharper than Amped it up previously, a bit, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, again, I mean, just given what's going on at the Capitol right now, with all, all those all huge... those mayors are in the big cities. I mean, so Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin are all out Democrats. <laughs> out, right? Even right? in these nonpartisan elections. Well, they are. I mean, right. and, and they're nonpartisan elections. But Sylvester Turner is a Democrat. Steve Adler's a Democrat. Mike Rawlings is acknowledged a Democrat. Ron Nuremberg is a Democrat. So it doesn't hurt Patrick politically to acknowledge that Democratic-led city cities are the problem mm-hmm. because they're led by them. I mean, that's fa- that's one where Gardner Selby, even Gardner Selby, would say was true. Never. Gonna this is a very. This is a just a complete side thought. But I thought the more interesting part of that interview was Dan Patrick being asked about the legal immigration crackdown that was recently endorsed by President Trump. The legal immigration. Legal immigration this is a ra- crackdown. Right. Um, right. Which Trump had endorsed a few days earlier. Some senators had put it forward, and Patrick completely bear hugged it and said, "What's not to like?" Mm-hmm. Um, which was compl- which was different from what we saw from John Cornyn in reaction to it. It was like, oh, "I'm happy to have the conversation, whatever, whatever." Ted Cruz, by some reports, was uncomfortable with it or voiced disapproval. One one newspaper said, and I think it's it was a very telling moment in the the current political uh, continuum in Texas, especially when you look at how Dan Patrick has aligned himself with. Where the Republican Party under Trump has been heading in the and the you're the, and months. you know Cruz better probably the biography of Cruz right so am I remembering correctly that when Rafael Cruz came to this country his he did not speak perfect English or maybe he didn't speak English I don't know exactly what it was because you know one of the parts about the Trump thing right. that was interesting was you got to speak right? English when right. you come and that you think about the number of people who've come to this country who did not have that oh yeah. right right most of our ancestors yeah. Right. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. If you like listening to the Tribcast every week, please do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes. Those ratings help us reach more listeners like you. And if you value the Tribune's nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom, please consider making a donation at support.texastribune.org. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for our music. And on behalf of Evan, Ross, Patrick, and our producers, Todd and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas 
look at Evan's haircut. It's got product, I think. It does. It looks a little crunchy if you touch it. Did you all fucking get a life? I mean, seriously. 